Five-minute penalty to Chicago, a game misconduct, and then Manson having words with Stephen. And now, Butcher gets into it. We're going to have a brawl, folks. Stand by. Hey, what's up, everyone? Tyler Cash here, opening uh, a tall, cold bush beer in my Pantera shirt and uh, my uh, nice jean shorts that I macrameed myself. Not really, but uh, how are you doing, Tommy? You doing good? Uh, complete opposite, not being a raging alcoholic. <laughs> uh, I'm sitting here drinking an iced tea. Uh, a Long Island iced tea? I hope. No, sir. Well, it's only we have the it's two Tuesday. Hours Come on, it's a Tuesday. It's Wednesday. Five, it's a Wednesday. It's five twelve somewhere, right? And it is yeah. five twelve Fuck p.m. Off. in St. Louis, Missouri. Which, uh, yeah, I'm and indulging in a nice beer. I got. I'm DJing tonight, so I want to get it started because everything uh, here. I don't know how it is across uh, the map, but uh, they've started to close down bars and businesses at like an eleven p.m. curfew. So what now, are, what are bars? What are what are businesses? I don't. Are know they anymore. are they completely closed? Like yeah. out on the West Coast? It's all outdoor only stuff. Okay, okay. So they're they're still open here, but like there's a curfew. So all of uh, everybody's just getting drunk earlier. <laughs> you know, like Fair. I feel like you know yeah, you get off sense. you get off work and happy hour is like the happiest of hours, if you will. But um, yep. yeah. So we uh we just wanted to touch base with you guys because. We have some exciting hockey going on, and we wanted to do a quick banger of an episode before we wrap up uh, round two and then give our predictions for round three. Uh, and so, yeah, we got some big news uh, from the St. Louis Blues. I'll let you uh, kick it off. Yeah, everyone's uh, favorite goaltender the last, uh, what, seven, eight years in St. Louis, Jake Allen, gone. Pack your shit. You go to the Montreal Canadiens now. Blues got uh, what they they sent Allen in like a seventh round pick in 2022 to them. Uh, pretty much a, a cap dump, uh, short term to probably resign Petro. But in return, the Blues got a third rounder from actually Washington for this year's draft and Chicago's seventh round pick um, for 2020. So technically, the Canadians didn't give up anybody. For, for for Allen. It's all picks they acquired in other trades. So interesting move. Uh yeah, I guess from the from the blues perspective, obviously the, the number one priority here is cap space for Alex Petrangelo, right? So this frees up a good chunk of money. I think it was what four point five million give or take that Allen's making. Um no longer on the books. Factor that in with probably Tarasenko being on long-term IR for a bit and uh, things like that. We're probably in, in good shape to bring back the captain. So um, flip side for the Canadians, low-risk move for them. Carry Price has always probably been overworked. I mean, probably has been overworked in Montreal year in, year out when he's healthy. Um, Allen's a good backup goalie. I don't think anyone can deny it. This is really like the first year he was in that backup role and he had some of the best stats in the NHL, um, quite honestly. So... He's good at what he does, and it's going to ideally, you know, the Canadians are probably like, we did pretty fucking good here in this uh, the situation that we were in in the, in, the, in the bubble. So let's, you know, tweak this a bit. Let's give Carey Price to be 50, 55 games, give Allen the rest and see what happens. And then from there, they have a ton of cap space, so it's like we can sign him. It's a luxury we can afford and uh, see what happens. So I think it makes completely makes sense for both sides. So I know that puts the Blues at like somewhere around six point five million left in cap space. So we're assuming that 
Petrangelo is going to be asking for upwards of eight plus, I would assume. So you, you really believe that the long-term IR is really going to be the saving grace, or do you think that the Blues are going to have to make another move in order to keep him? I probably would expect one more because you also have to factor in two. Um, Vince Dunn's a restricted free agent. He's slated to be signed. Um, he's definitely going to be making more than league minimum, so he's definitely going to bump up no matter what happens there. Um, I think Jacob De La Rose, as much as we we, we love him, um, he's uh, he's got a bit resigned too. Um, or I don't know if you ship out his rights. I, I, either way, you have to replace him with another league minimum body that he's already making. So at the very least, that cap's not going anywhere. That space is staying. Um, but that being said, I remember Petro sort of came out and he was like, you know, I think someone asked him about the Yossi situation. He's like, I'll sign for less than what Yossi made, like to, to, to win a cup and be in a competitive environment. And Yossi's getting about nine million on cap head a year. So yeah, yeah, I feel like that that eight million mark is good. It's really this year that's the that's the really the bottleneck in a sense of everything where the blues are really tight on cap space with the cap staying tight. But after, like I said, after next year, things things open up quite a bit in terms of uh, in terms of you know the space that we have and whatnot. Because you know Schwartz is off the books technically. You're probably resigning him. Almost six million from Steen comes off the books as well. You know, ideally after next season, or you know after next season, Falk probably gets shipped ideally over to uh, Seattle. So you know at that point you have all that salary coming off the books and really, you know, a couple of, of RFAs to take care of, and I think we're in a good spot. It's really this year that's the the bottleneck for it all. If we can get past that, I think everything else is good. Right. Just do what you have to do for this next season to get your ducks in a row for the future, basically. Yeah. Um, so Without, without you, having to take a step back is kind of the idea. So you don't think that they need to pull a move like getting rid of Bozak or Pareko necessarily? It's possible, right? So, like, it could even be a situation because, you know, again, if, if if Tarasenko is out, I mean, let's see, let's cap it here is, what, yeah, 7.5. So, I mean, if he's out half the year, which realistically, having to do another shoulder surgery after one that just didn't take, even though they're saying he's going to be reevaluated in five months, which basically puts us at January, which if the season does start in December. You know, that's about a fifth of the year, give or take. He's probably not going to come back till February, probably at the earliest. I, w- I, w- I would see, if not later than that. Um, so, I mean, be- I, you know, best case scenario here is, you know, Terrasen goes on long-term IR for half the season. That's another $3.75 million in cap space relief that we're able to use to go over the cap. So okay, I kind of see it at that, you know, if that's the case that happens, could it sort of play it off of that. I mean, if, you, if, if you're... You know, come December, Tarasenko's recovering really well. He's on track to, you know, actually come back in January from what everyone's saying. If that if that ends up being the case, maybe you do make a move to move out a, a Bozak and then give give Thomas that uh, that sort of third line center role and, uh, you know, allow him to slot up like late in games if we're down or, or need an like, extra goal, that sort of a thing. That's a possibility, too. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just look at the roster. I think the only person you can kind of ship off would be Bozak because you could trade Pareko technically, which I'm not for. You know I love him. But the flip side is if you do that and the idea is to get rid of Falk next year after the season, like you just lost two of your top four demon in a matter of, of one year. So it's probably not realistic to do that. They do have some good D-man options though. I mean we we we're both fans of Bertuzzo. I think Dunn is actually proven to be a good young defenseman. 
Uh, but you don't want to let you can't let Petrangelo walk, Falk get taken, and then trade Pareko. Exactly. I mean, yeah. there's so much that you. I mean, that's just a shit show waiting to happen. I I personally think um, that you moving Bozak might be the better bet. Uh, it really depends on what the scenario is going to be with Falk, because I know people are so quickly to dismiss him. I mean, the guy previously, granted, he wasn't on a good team. He was an all-star. Correct me if I'm right. Like, I mean, he was like, what do you mean he was on a good team? He went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Okay, well, so on a team, sorry, correct me, without a lot of, at the time when he was on the team, they didn't have a lot of superstars, okay. short of like what, Aho. And I mean, Sveshnikov now, Everybody. but I mean, yeah, but I, yeah. I, I get what you're saying prior so to those years. He was like obviously a fan favorite there and, you know, was an all star. He is capable of being a great defenseman. He just, he came here and he's learning like a new system. He's, he's dealing with a new team. Um, yeah. Is he, could he potentially just be bait for the Seattle expansion? Possibly. We talked about that in previous episodes for sure, but. What if Falk goes and has like a breakout year? I mean, he's very much capable of that. Then you're then you're back to like trying to figure out who are you going to leave unprotected, which obviously we're not going to dive into that this episode. I know somebody asked that question, you know, who is Seattle going to go for? And we get we're gonna, a year off. It's a year from now and we'll get to that. I'm sure we'll have, you know, many discussions about it. But as of right now, Jake Allen is gone from the St. Louis Blues, so that means Huso is probably going to finally step up and be that backup. So we're we're probably going to see the Bennington Huso combo that I was actually really excited about, uh, that I was hoping for last season. Obviously, I'm I'm thankful for how things unfolded. Jake Allen is a great backup. I'm just a little concerned. Or is he really going to stay put in Montreal because they're going to be like harboring, like harboring, sorry, fifteen million for goaltending. I mean, that's, that, that's pretty, that's crazy. Like you said, they do have the salary cap to do it, but they also need to expand their, their depth as far as forwards go. Well, so you gotta, you gotta understand. So like they sold off a crap ton of their team here before the trade deadline. And then before the COVID shutdown and like, they, like, like we got, like they got, they traded for Scandella like mid season and then for like a, a sixth round pick or something. And then we flipped Scandella to us and gained like a, like a second round pick. Like they, they, they made out like bandits on that deal. Um, but it's like they, they, they moved out a bunch of like veteran talent and people who aren't going to be there the following years and whatnot to get those, you know, prospects and, and draft picks and stuff. But that being said, it's like, he's the, he literally has one year left. It's more so well, our team's in a good spot. Carry price consistently carries this team or tries to, like I said, when he's healthy um, in terms of, of playing a, a crap ton of games and let's get away from that and, and, and keep him healthy. Cause it's like, you know, just, just looking at his normal workload, like 66 games, 62 games, 66 games, 58 games this last season. And it was short season. And he's probably going to be at like 62 to 65. So it's like, he's playing like, 75 percent of the season which is which is a lot for a goaltender like even like 2011 granted that that's years ago he played 72 games like that's crazy that is so, crazy. Like, if you can give if you can give jake allen you know 22 23 starts a season keep him under that 60 game mark keep him more fresh granted you know look what he did look what he did he he came off a huge layover was fresh arguably in my opinion the best goal in the playoffs he's 10 games, 1.78 goals against 93.6 save percentage, like on a losing team. Like that's insane. That's literally nuts. Yeah. And, and I'm sure he's going to be 
great placement for that team. And I, I, I see what you're saying. It's just that's that's a high price tag. But maybe I, they I feel like it might be worth it. You know, but... exactly. Because what if we get a what if we get a carry price that puts up a sub two goals against a 93 save percentage for 60 games? Then we have a Jake Allen who's honestly capable in a backup role or has been at least to put up those same numbers. Like that's going to get you in the playoffs. That's going to get your foot in the door. And we saw what they did. Um, moving moving on to that next round, and uh, yeah, why not? Right, they're, definitely, and, they're not in rebuild mode anymore in Montreal after this year, is how I see it. Absolutely, and I was actually listening to a podcast not too long ago, and they were dissecting basically how unimportant it is to have a backup. Like, and, and I mean this in a sense of like you don't need an elite backup; you just need a guy that's going to get like basically. It was somewhere in the ballpark, I believe, of like 35% wins of the games that they're going to start. And you really want your backup to, to play ideally somewhere around 25 to 35 games. So if they yeah. can, if they could basically win a little less than half that, then your team is playoff bound. If you have an elite starter in, in theory. So Jake Allen, obviously, I don't know about for 4.5 million. He's got one year left, I believe, on his contract, right? One year or is it yep. two years? One year. Okay. so. He's got one year. I don't see him making that that um, that money again. Uh, if he's going to be sort of like a league uh, career backup situation, but uh, yeah, I mean, they obviously saw value in him, or he's a pawn in a much bigger piece. I, I've said this a million times before. We have quite an interesting situation because the cap hit was supposed to go up to 85, 86 mil. And now they've said for the next three to four years or the foreseeable future, we're looking at 81.5. So there were teams that were making moves, even so much as just last season, this past season, they had no idea that, you know, this pandemic was going to hit and basically throw a a rock or, you know, a wrench into the gears. So we're going to see a lot of teams making some interesting moves. We have a lot of unrestricted free agents that are that are getting ready to hit the market as far as goalies go shit that could be an episode on its own you know like we have markstrom holtby uh georgiev the list goes on there there's plenty of options so we're gonna see a lot of teams especially ones that are struggling to be contenders just shaking things up we're gonna see a lot of goalies bouncing around i feel like yeah yeah who knows if we're gonna see someone go to edmonton or you know i don't know it, it could be anything i agree i feel like most teams it's, it's very rare instance i feel like the majority is they're either is excessively overpaying for goaltending or excessively underpaying for goaltending it's rarely like in between and that being said yeah where things are at and all the people that are that are up um for, for free agency it's going to be real interesting to see what happens um yeah, the last things i wanted to touch on is I think after this year, honestly, Jake Allen probably, depending on what he wants to do, if he wants to win or not, that's a different discussion. But I feel like there's there's potentially a spot for him, assuming he does well in his role in, in Montreal, to start somewhere. Might not be for for a contender or or, Stanley, or you know a top five team in the league. Could be a fringe team, but I mean, just just look at it from this perspective. First off, as funny as this sounds, um, I looked it up because I remember hearing about it. Jake Allen was only three wins shy of tying the Blues' all-time record for wins of 151 with Mike Lute, um, which I thought was really funny. 
Uh, he literally gets shifted out right before he's about to to break that record. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't feel like he's like I don't think he cares. <laughs> well, it, it's funny because I feel like Blues fans would put it as like he's not worthy of that record or or blah 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 <laughs> that sort of a thing. But that's my thinking behind it. But three wins short of the, of the team record, which kind of also goes to show a team that's been around fifty one, fifty two years now, like your league leader, your, your all-time leader in wins for one person is 151. That, that kind of sucks. It does um, suck. Shows, it you, also, shows you the luck we've had with goaltending. It also shows you how many people shit on the goaltender no matter what. I mean, yep. yeah. <laughs> I don't like Jake Allen at all. Like, Obviously, we're not the biggest fans of Jake Allen, but I mean, he he gets more shit than he should. That's for damn sure. He just he had a lot on his plate, and sometimes you, I mean, you, you really need to just have a hot goaltender at the right time, as we saw. Yeah, last year and so yeah i mean it's his career is not over he might have uh another starting position but i mean i, I obviously he's not in a starting position uh playing on the team with carrie price so yeah and this is the one thing i want to point out is like also is for the reason he's always had a good postseason like always like it's not been a terrible so to put that in perspective right um 23 games started he has a 9.24 or 92.4 save percentage and a 2.06 goals against. If I told you any goalie and I didn't tell you his name was Jake Allen, had a <laughs> 92.4 save percentage and a 2.06 goals against, you're going to think this guy did really good in the playoffs and this guy is probably a, a superstar goalie. No, he went fucking 11 and 12 and his name is Jake Allen. Like, like <laughs> he puts up good stats in the playoffs somehow, some way. Like, you know, he played, he started four games here in the bubble, Nine, 93.5 save percentage, 1.89 goals against. That rivals Carey Price, what he put up. Like, that's crazy to think about. But again, that being said, yeah, I mean, uh, his career is definitely not over, but uh, it'll be interesting to see, uh, yeah, if Montreal decides to ship him off for someone else, or I, I, I doubt they will, but where he signs after next year as well. For sure. So moving on, uh, this is obviously not as uh, lighthearted of a situation, but it didn't feel right to not touch base on it since we've had we haven't had a, an episode um, since this has gone down. But uh, the players in the bubble uh, have decided they decided to take two days off um, to raise racial awareness, basically uh, for the the death of uh, Jacob Blake, and um, you know it, it seemed as someone from the outside looking in right and both in both also uh black lives matter because i'm a, I'm a white dude um and both in a sense that i'm not in the bubble and i'm not a professional hockey player uh i struggled understanding the whole situation just in a sense that i didn't know how to put myself in that in their shoes and so i, I basically stepped back and just let them do their talking and let, and let them stand for what they want to believe in and uh, I guess these players decided universally that it felt the right thing to do was to, to put it on pause. And uh, by putting it on pause, they, they raised awareness and they got people talking. There wasn't any hockey on, um, on TV for 48 hours. And, you know, I know professional sports across the board decided to do the same. Um, but we, yeah, we just, you know, it didn't feel right to not touch base on it. Obviously um, we encourage everyone to stand up for what they believe in. I, I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and I mean not to not to get too deep into it. It's just I just think it's it's more of a situation of there's so many opportunities to not let it get to where it got to, and it's unfortunate that it did. But um, again, not to go deep into that. But yeah, I, I get why it was done. I understand why it was done. Um, 
with the NHL sort of being the the little guy in terms of the major four sports in the in the in the states, um, you know, to have a league that's predominantly you know predominantly white, like across the board, uh, very few if black hockey players, very few people that aren't white, quite honestly, and to see them all sort of up there at that press conference and supporting Reeves and everyone, where, where he sort of said the same thing, where he's like, you know, these two days aren't going to fix anything. Um, the conversation, the statement that's been made is very powerful. So again, it's bringing awareness, showing that, you know, at this point with what happened, like sports don't need to be at the forefront of everything right now. Let's focus on real life issues and and go off of that. Because obviously, you know, the games are going to go on. It's inevitable that's going to happen. But at the same time, like these things keep happening. They continue occurring across the board. And at some point, something needs to be done. So, And if you haven't heard the interview with Spit and Chicklets, with Ryan Reeves on it, I highly suggest uh, listening to it because I do think that Revo has a, uh, an interesting, refreshing take on it. And I, I mean, I'm obviously I'm a fanboy, so I, I love what he has to say. But all around, I think that he, uh, you know, he led a very uh, positive conversation, and I think they made a good impact for what they're capable of doing. Um, yeah, and we appreciate that over here. So. Um, with that uh, being said, uh, we are going to talk about the series recaps of uh, basically what's going on right now. There were every team yesterday that played yesterday, I believe, was on the brink of elimination. And it seems as if every one of those teams pulled a win uh, out to bring the series to three and two. So yeah, that includes. Yeah, well, well, to clarify, it wasn't a winner take all. It was, yeah, two teams were on the brink. Oh, but, only two uh, teams. Okay. Yeah. So it was uh, it was game five for both uh, the Islanders, Flyers, Canucks, Knights. Uh, Flyers pulled it out in overtime after the Islanders. Um, it's funny because someone on Twitter explained it perfectly. They're like, uh, Alain Vigneault, who's the coach of the uh, coach of the the, um, the what's at the uh, he's, is he the Islanders or Flyers? He's the Flyers coach, right? Pretty I sure have zero idea. <laughs> pretty, sure he's, pretty sure he's your Flyers. Coach. I, I okay. No, it doesn't sound right for the Islanders. Islanders. No. Yeah, it's definitely not. That's Trot stuff. So yeah, it was like so. Uh, Allie and Vigneault, this type of game where they'll be up two goals, they'll let the Islanders score with about seven minutes left, and they'll let the Islanders score um, with nearly a minute, with you know a couple minutes left, and then win the game in overtime. That's literally like what happened almost to a T. Um, guy like predicted it because <laughs> that's kind of what what happened in Vancouver when he was there. Yeah, but, the um, Islanders were down three to one going into the third period. Correct? Like yeah, they, they, they they came back to tie it to force the tie. They okay. scored two goals in uh, less than two minutes. Uh, I mean, I think there was like less. There was like four and a half minutes left, and then like two minutes and change on the clock when they tied it. But um, yeah, they they fought back to overtime. Uh, Philly ended up winning it in overtime, coming back off the killing the momentum that the Islanders had to close out the series. That goes to six. And then, uh, yeah, Canucks Golden Knights, Thatcher Demko, uh, 24-year-old goalie for the Canucks, came in, started. First uh, postseason postseason start. So definitely an interesting uh, take from... uh, I was was blown away. I I had no idea that they were going to go that route, but, I mean, they're obviously glad they did. Yeah, uh, 42 saves on 43 shots, official number. Yes. Uh, played really well. Um, again, I'm, you know me, I'm not a huge advocate of, oh, this team was outshot by two to one or anything like, yeah, they probably had the puck more, but when you actually look at like high danger chances and and in close chances, they tend to be relatively close for the most part. But I mean, that being said, obviously the Knights had the puck on their stick more often, just weren't finishing, but yeah, uh, they they had nearly double the shots, like more than double. Yeah. 
yeah, it was it was crazy. Like watching that game, Demko definitely showed up, and he had this shit eating grin on his face. Like, uh, <laughs> and, and and is homeboy injured? Is uh, is there is their starting goaltender injured, or, or they just decide to? Like, cause I thought I heard that he was unfit he, to play. He was, and, uh, yeah, he was in the, he was in the press box. They kept showing him. If you're watching, they kept showing his, uh, okay. like his reaction, um, as like, uh, as like the last few minutes when he would make like a big save, they'd show him like clapping and things like that. Interesting. Um, so he is injured that I didn't even, that's wild. Well, that, that, that's, that's what everyone's wondering. Like there, is he injured or is he just fatigued? Like that's that's sort of what's what's floating around. He's unfit to play. Obviously, that could mean who knows what, right? But right, unfit to play. Yeah, I'm I'm exhausted. I'm not, you know, I'm playing so many games back the back to back games he's had to play without starting their their backup like like the Knights have and pretty much other, every other team did as well. Like it's gonna take a toll on you. So who knows? Maybe that was the thing. Just don't put the pads on. Just sit up here. We're not gonna play you regardless of what happens. So we'll see. We'll see what goes on. Um, wouldn't surprise me if he's backing up for for game six. Um, it was kind of just like chips are all on a Demko. Whatever happens, happens. But you know, say game six comes around and and Demko lets in two or three quick ones in the first. I'm sure he'll probably be there to to, to take over if need be. But uh, we'll see about that. But um, but yeah. here's the re- here's the real question though. Uh, obviously, Leonard was in net. Uh, didn't have a bad game. Uh, there was one weak goal uh, that he let in immediately after the Knights scored that first goal um it was like an immediate response um 23 seconds yeah i remember that he didn't have a bad game uh he's been playing great here's the question though you pointed it out to me actually i was i was shit canned i was (laughs) i was tossed and i i didn't read your text messages until today actually and you were you were saying that game six and seven are thursday tomorrow night and friday night correct so there it's a back-to-back correct so here this here's the question it's very interesting do you start Leonard and kind of count on flurry if there is a game seven, which which seems really shitty because if flurry shits the bed, right? Technically a cold goaltender at this point, he hasn't been getting his starts. If he shits the bed during game seven and they somehow lose this, they blow another lead in a series like they did last year. Knights fans are going to have his head and they're, they're literally going to turn their backs instantly because it's, yeah, it's brutal. So in my opinion, if I were, if I were playing GM, if I were playing coach or whoever has the, the upper hand and the say of what's going on, it seems like a no brainer to me to start flurry game six when, when the series isn't on the line and see what he can't do. And, you know, Leonard has obviously had the experience he's been in net. So if it does, come down to a game seven, I think I'd feel more comfortable having Leonard and net personally over flurry. So, I think it's too much pressure, too much pressure on him. So I think it's a lose, lose situation. And the, and the way I, the way I see that is, yeah, like whoever goes out there and loses game six, if it happens, is probably not going to start game seven. Right. If you put flurry out, if you put flurry out there, um, and he loses game seven. Everyone's gonna be like, "Why did we start flurry?" Blah blah blah. However, the flip side is, if you don't start like, if you don't start a flurry in a game seven, and the Knights lose, that's probably a pretty fucking good reason for flurry to say like, "Fuck this, I want out." Especially as agents like pressure him to say that, especially with things that are going on. He's but, gotta get. He's gotta get one game, whether it's game yeah. six or seven. He that's getting, that's yeah. my point, though. Is like, is like, which one do you want him in? Like, like, well, what do you do here? Um, but yeah, like that's the other thing. Is like, let's say Leonard starts game six or loses, or it's a close game, and they put Leonard in for game seven. Like, 
you're lost goalie. Like, there's no way. I don't feel like, you know, how how good, bad, average he's been, whatever the case may be. I don't know how you feel respected after that. Like, uh, quite honestly, that's my take on it. But then the flip side is Leonard. Like, he's been fine. No issues at all there. But, like, uh, he's never really been in a big game situation that I can think of, like, winner take all. Like, we know, like, and again, I'm not saying this is going to be a problem. Like, he's clearly shown he's overcome it. But, like, he's been, like, a mentally not strong person in the past. Like, that's changed, obviously. I, I don't want to say that's going to happen. Like, he's done a really good job overcoming the things that he's he's dealt with. But do you want, like, that's where it comes down to, do you want a guy who has won cups in the past and who's been on the bench for most of them? Or do you want a guy who has had some some mental demons that he's had to face in a winner-take-all game that could who, do who knows what? Like, it's a really interesting take on it that you don't ever see. And it like, is, that, but Flurry definitely has, as you've pointed out many times in the past, <laughs> has, uh, he cracks under pressure. You know what I'm saying? He, he has. Yeah, like, what do you, what do, you so, do? So do yeah. we really want to put a, a cold Flurry who's probably going to be overzealous and stoked to be in game seven. He's, he's like psyching himself up, right? He's like, I got this. I've been there a million times before. And you have the whole not lost to to Vancouver in 14 years stat, right? True. True. You throw those out the window this time of year, but it's just shit. But I mean, hey, yeah. say I, I, but say you you put Flurry in Game Seven, right? Because Leonard shits the bed Game Six. Okay, you put Flurry in Game Seven. He's all psyched up. He's like, "This is my chance to prove that I'm the starting goaltender of this organization." And a minute in, you know, the the Canucks put in a puck, and it, and it's a soft goal. You you just broke him. And as we saw last year, unfortunately, don't like to bring this up by any stretch of the imagination, but he, you know, he, he gets his ego bruised and it's all a slippery slope from there. And just like, you know, the five minute major situation last year, it was like, as soon as that second goal went in, a lot of fans, including myself, were severely scared because they just knew Flurry's ego was bruised and and now as as much as ever he you know he doesn't feel comfortable he he feels as if there's a new guy that came in not unlike what happened with murray and and you know he might he he might crack under the pressure or he might flourish i don't know but to me it sounds like a scary situation to be placed in you want your starting goaltender to be the one that decides the series because he's the one that started the series i would go flurry game six leonard game seven that's fair. If Leonard if Leonard shits the bed, he's the new guy. And honestly, this is how I look at it. And we'll move on really quickly. But I, I was just talking about this earlier, wondering: Can you keep Flurry? Can you keep Leonard? We've talked about it in the past. I know a lot of people are talking about it. Are is is Flurry going to go retire in Pittsburgh? Is Leonard going to be the new starter? There's a lot to talk about. But basically, if Leonard is the reason that the Knights win the Cup, and I mean this is like as if Leonard is the one that plays the most games. And they wind up winning the Stanley Cup this year. I think you can kiss Flurry goodbye. I think yeah. he gets. Tra- I think he gets traded to Pittsburgh. He retires a Penguin. It's pretty much the only option because he's got a no trade clause. That's the only thing I could see happening. If Leonard shits the bed Game Seven in the second round, you might be able to get him a little cheaper. And he he's not the one that won the Cup. And you, you explain to him, hey, you're going to be our starter. We're going to tandem you guys next year until Flurry retires. You might be able to get him on the cheap. So the only Maybe. way I can see both goalies staying is if the Knights don't win the Cup this year. If they do win the Cup, Flurry's gone. Um, rightfully yeah. so. I mean, it my, makes my, sense. My counterpoint to that is Leonard's not going to take a cheap deal anymore. He's already done that two years in a row because of the stuff surrounding his mental health. And 
quite frankly, I'd be sick of it about him with putting up decent numbers that he has. So I highly doubt that's going to happen. Um, but but yeah, is the so, team going to be able to afford the, with the salary cap not going up? Is the team going to be able to yeah, afford it? To pay a goalie four million dollars a year? Absolutely, he's making. Oh well, no, yeah, I'm talking about yeah, I'm talking about more than that. No, I think he's, the Knights he's not going to get more than that. I don't think. Yeah, I think the Knights can juggle four or five million. I'm talking about if Leonard wins the Stanley Cup, he's going to be thinking, or at least his, his agent could potentially be thinking, hey. You are a six, seven million dollar goalie. You just won the cup. I, I would see with where he's been in the past and not having prior playoff success and doing it his first year really being there, it'd probably be maybe a at, at very best, probably a two or three year deal with a slightly higher, uh, slightly higher salary than what uh, Bennington makes. I would say like five, five point five at the very max, quite honestly. Fair. Fair. All um, right. So, but yeah, yeah we... so quick, real quickly, is that we got to start moving along here. I'm trying to keep this a bit shorter. Um, so, yeah, as we know, uh, we'll, we'll, since we're already here, uh, Knights Canucks are going into game six, back to back game seven if necessary. Um, my thinking here is game six decides the series. If the Knights lose it, I think Canucks will win seven. If the Knights win, obviously they, they, they move on. That's kind of how I see it because I feel like there's just a lot of unknowns again around that back-to-back and whatnot who starts who doesn't you go back to to leonard if he loses game six or do you stick with flurry if he loses who knows right um there's so many question marks there which kind of gives a bit of uncertainty i feel like uh, i'm definitely scared if it goes to a game seven to be okay. honest with you 100 percent. but I, I i do think they close it out i they had a great game demko was on fire if if he winds up having another insane game then yeah, I'm scared. But uh, otherwise, yeah, uh, yeah I, I could see him closing it out next game. Okay, and then say the Western Conference. So Avalanche Stars uh, going to sixth game. Bishop came back, shit the bed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd say I had Avalanche. no idea. Yeah, How many Avalanche. seven to seven to one was that? What... It was six three was the final score. Oh, okay, so he landed yeah, yeah. four in the first and got pulled. Uh, Ooh, he got pulled. But, but then it was, it was interesting because Ben Bishop comes back, top probably top five goalie in the league, you could argue. Um, and then the third string goalie, the Avalanche, starts. And you're probably thinking, oh, this is going to go the complete opposite way of that it did. But no, the, the, the Avalanche completely poured it on uh, and, and took over that game. This is the only series I could see the Avalanche coming back down to 3-1 and, and winning, personally. Um, but yeah, I, this is... I, I, this one's up in the air at this point. The way that the Avalanche came out and, and dominated, uh, we'll see, because it's also like the Stars came out and dominated Game 4, but the Avalanche fought back. So I feel like the Avalanche have the momentum. So I feel like this is kind of the same same situation. If the Avs win Game 6, they'll win Game 7. The Stars need to close it out tonight, I feel like, to have a chance to, to move on. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm the same way. The only other series that I would think is a potential comeback would be the Flyers. But I, I think the Islanders have a tight lid on it. It's just not... Their defense is just you know, great. And they don't allow a lot of goals and, and they, you know, it may not be the most exciting hockey, but I think the others are going to take it. But I, as we spoke about in the last episode, we did say that if there was one team that could come back and pull it out of their ass, it would be the avalanche. And I, yeah. I think we're, we're both in agreement on that. So 100%. it should be an exciting uh, game six for a lot of these teams for sure. Um, so yeah, last, the, one, last one to touch on real quick. Obviously, I think we all know for the most part, but yeah, Lightning beat the Bruins in five. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> second year in a row. Yes. We, we posted tons of memes about it, but second year in a row, Pat Maroon faces the Bruins. Pat the Maroon, barefucker, fat. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> lo and behold, he comes out on top, which I think is hilarious. So yeah, he had, he, um, he he delivered that amazing screen that uh, Hedman was able to. Uh, Throw that what was that double overtime again? Exactly. Mr. Yeah, Mr. Second Mr. round double overtime. overtime again. Crazy. Um 
But yeah, so that happened. He's the only person who can repeat, if possible, for Stanley Cup champions in the NHL. So that's something to root for if you're if you're a Blues fan, if you're a St. Louis fan, being a St. Louis boy, whatever the case may be. But um, yeah, I think the other couple of things just for the question, just slightly noteworthy. Um, Panthers finally got their GM hired, Bill Zito. He was a senior VP of hockey operations and associate GM for the Blue Jackets. Uh, replaced Dale Talon, um, who was there for for ten seasons. Um, so interesting, interesting move there. Kind of noteworthy. Uh, kind of a fresh guy who doesn't really have yet much GM experience coming in. So we'll see what happens for him there. Um, but then, yeah. Side note: I still think it's hilarious. The Panthers haven't won a playoff series in 25 years since 1996, which is wild. so. That is um, crazy. Yeah. Uh, last thing to touch on, um, not super major news, but kind of kind of noteworthy. Uh, Crosby had arthroscopic wrist surgery um, on Monday. Just a small minor procedure. Expect to recover in about four or five weeks. Uh, probably doesn't affect him. But if say he's off to a slow start, or you know something happens to him where he's just not performing, that's potentially something to look at there. So awesome. Uh, so yeah, that pretty much brings us up to date. Uh, we're going to answer just a few questions. We'll just do, um, we'll just do a few. We post in our, our group on Facebook, which is a hockey chirps. You can find the link, uh, off of our Facebook. Obviously it's facebook.com slash fourth line goon, fourth line goon.com, Twitter, Instagram, all that great stuff. You can find us. Um, so yeah, uh, we already talked about Alan being traded. That was the, the main topic of today. Alex Miller wants to know, does Rask stay in Boston or leave? And is it Char's last game in a Bruins jersey? I'll let you give your take on that. So was it Rask's last game? <sighs> That's it's tough. I guess both of them, right? Is Rask going to stay? Is, is Char going to resign? So I'll start with Chara. Um, I, I don't know how Boston keeps him, quite honestly, with everything they have to resign. Like, Tory Krug's up. He's 29. He's their highest paid defenseman right now. He's going to get a raise. Matt Grizzlick, RFA, he's going to get a raise. Then you have, yeah, Tukarask on the hook for $7 million and then Jaroslav Halak for 2.25 for next year. Uh, I don't see them going anywhere, quite honestly, either of those goalies. I just, Rask, family emergency, he had to leave. It is what it is. People want to hate him for it. People can hate him for it. It's kind of a shitty thing to do. But, I mean, he's a good goalie. Personally, I don't think he ever steps up in big games. He never has. Uh, but those people are going to stay. People are going to need raises. And unless, like, Char is going to play for the league minimum for the Bruins, I don't think he would. Being, he's going to turn 44 next March. I think he's out of there. Like, I, I don't see how that how that stays. Um even this year, they gave him like performance bonuses where they could fit him under the cap, and he hit them. So he made like I think close to four mil. But yeah, I mean, there's no way he's taking league minimum for a guy of his caliber, even though he's as old as he is. Um, so yeah, I think he's going somewhere else. Where I have no idea, but I say Rask stays for sure. Yeah, originally when we didn't know the full story of Rask, I I, I thought that he was done, like because he gets a lot of shit from Bruins fans. If there's one thing that I've noticed, they just basically rip apart Rask, you know, which which is wild because the dude is an elite goaltender. Um, and he's proven himself time and time again. He he's got what, one year left on his contract? Yep. Rask so, and Halak both. Yeah, he stays at least until trade deadline. If like the Bruins are like absolutely horrible, like for some weird reason, which 
their team doesn't look the same. That's for damn sure. Like, I mean, they can have the best top line in hockey. Somebody can argue that, blah, 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 blah. But they, they just don't look as strong. They don't look as, as deep these years as they did when they, you know, won the cup, obviously. Um, I think he stays. They they need a goaltender as much as people want to shit on him and as much as uh, Halak has, you know, he has stepped up and done a lot. He's still not a starting goaltender, as we saw in St. Louis. Um, I mean, he's capable, but yeah, I mean, not in, in the same ballpark whatsoever as Rask. So with that being said, Char is very interesting to me because he reminds me a lot of Joe Thornton, who agrees to, you know, basically he said he'll play for the Sharks in, until he dies. <laughs> you know, he, he, I think the, the line was that he was he would be a janitor for the organization <laughs> eventually. Like, he, I think he actually said that. It wasn't just like a weird meme. Still waiting for um, him to score four goals. Yeah, and the dude, wa- but but you know, we did see though he got angry that he wasn't traded to a cup contending team because the dude wants to win a cup. Now Charles won a cup, so um, you know the the will to move on isn't as strong. It's interesting if he gets a decent deal from somebody. Yeah, he'll he'll leave. Um, he's been the captain now for for I th- what was it four? Is that real? Like I, th- I thought they said fourteen years. Is that does that sound right? Uh, I don't know if it's that long. Yeah, dude, actually, I think it was uh, 2006. So oof. 15, yeah, 15 years. Dude, it's so hard to just let your captain walk. I mean, they do have other options as far as leadership roles go, but I, I don't, I, I could see them both sticking around. Um, it's such a weird, crazy, questionable time right now in the world. So I, I see him signing a, a team friendly deal at least for one year. Uh, he is getting older, but that's just. Uh, just my take on it. Um, sure. So Close yeah, we got we got one more question. We'll do, um, and uh, we talked about it last episode, but we'll just kind of um, be more blunt with it, I guess. Right? Uh, Patrick Mullen wants to know um, how much longer will the Blues deal with the Vladdy's shoulder issue before they move on? I mean, like. It's, obviously it's so oh yeah i mean i'll, I'll start off with it because yeah it's go more, ahead it, it's more so not like how long will they deal with it it's more so they're they're stuck with it like he has a full no trade clause it, it, granted you know it's only you know worst case scenario here if tarasenko absolutely shits the bed somehow and, and can't perform just just the shoulder's not right and he just can't play like you know idea you know best case scenario for the blues is in terms of that, you know, not performing, not not being able to play, he goes on long term IR. You're still gonna pay the guy, but you have the cap space, right? Um, worst case scenario, he's able to play, and he's putting up, you know, borderline third, fourth line, you know, production in terms of things, and just still shies away from contact, and you know, doesn't completely falls off of this elite goal scorer who could score 50 goals in a, in a season. Um, so I mean, it's essentially the Blues have him for three years, whether they like him or not. He's not going to go anywhere. Um, after that, who knows? But it's like again, there's there's so many things to dictate. Like I mentioned the last last podcast we had, it's it's like the way I kind of see it is he scored forty goals in the past. He's come close for a second time before. He's always been like a consistent thirty goal guy. Um, it's more so I kind of see it as you know he will be able to do his if he, if he does get the shoulder strength back to do his like signature cut back to the left on the ice shoot right bar down type move that he loves to do over the glove. Um, he's probably looking at around probably more more so close to twenty goals a year, 
which obviously is a huge overpayment at seven point five million. But you kind of gotta you kind of gotta run them out there and see what you get. You're kind of stuck with them for at least three years if that happens. So there's much worse scenarios to be placed with. Um, I.e. Steen, <laughs> but Steen yeah. only has one more year left. Um, and he he's earned got, that contract, though. He like, did. There's no, there's no denying that. He did. I, I lo- dude, I love Steen. I do absolutely. He's, he's arguably one of my favorite, you know, blues. And like, he he's got the one more year. I know someone mentioned that he was going to get shipped out, but it's 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 physically impossible. He's got a full no trade clause. He's actually yeah. the only player on the Blues active roster that has a full no trade clause, other than Petrangelo, who's who's you know now and Tarasenko uh, yeah oh is, is Tarasenko as well I didn't yep. even realize that um so. interesting so they'd have to buy out Tarasenko too if he didn't want to leave but my 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 take on Tarasenko is that he they just need to give him his time I felt like they rushed him into the bubble which was interesting I, I know they needed to figure out if he it's not like he was able to properly train during the whole COVID situation with it still going on. Like he, they didn't know if he was fully capable of playing, which I understand, but if they were at all hesitant, they should have held him back and and give the guy as much time as he needs to fully recover because this is going to be what his third shoulder surgery on the same shoulder in like five years. Does that sound about right? Yeah, it does. I mean, that's not that's not good. You know, each time you're gonna do it, it you're you're not gonna come back 100. percent I mean, you're not gonna ever come back 100. percent But like but each time again, you do it, again, it's gonna uh, take its toll. Again, though, that that argument doesn't hold water because, like I said, he was about to return there at the end at the end of March. Like he was all all signs of showing a return at the end of March, and he didn't. And we waited, so he got as healthy as he could. But I think it's a situation where, like you were saying, that he never got really injured. Just the, the surgery didn't take. It's, it's nothing that he did. It's just it didn't fully take. So he has to have it redone, um, which is shitty. Um, so that's the kind of situation he is. I don't think the time bringing him back, you know, into the bubble, like he didn't have, there weren't even many instances where he had a lot of high contact either way. So like he even mentioned his note, like the other Blues won the cup. I don't know if you remember that, that moment. Um, where like it looked like Terrence got like an elbow to the head, but he really did it. He got hit in his left shoulder, and then he went down really softly. That was the shoulder. He even said like last year, like he almost considered not playing in, in that season altogether because of the shoulder stuff. And he powered through it. Like he still was playing at an elite level, so that gives you hope. He put up thirty three goals. So I mean, if he's dealt with that in the past with the pain, um, I you know, imagine he, what he can be hope, like. Yeah, if it's if it's if the pain's gone. So we'll we'll see. Well, and obviously we both, you know, wish him, uh, you know, a full recovery. And I think we both agree he's here to stay um, probably for majority, if not all of his current contract with the Blues. Yep. Um, so, yeah, to wrap this up really quick, actually, I just want to share this little bit of information and then uh, we'll let you guys go about uh, your business. But uh looks like uh, so with with the move today, with Jake Allen's move, as of right now, the St. Louis Blues have a first round pick, two thirds a fourth, two fifths and a seventh for this upcoming draft. Yep. So that's, that's pretty awesome uh, for a team that doesn't necessarily need to rebuild entirely. That's a, that's a strong position to be put in. I would expect some sort of moves to be made. I mean, they could do anything with those if they, if they wanted to. So that I just thought that was a, uh, an interesting tidbit of information. 
Uh, well, the 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 interesting thing about that is, yeah, they still have their their first round for the next three years too. Um, oh, yeah. Army, Army's done a really good job with that. So if the Blues ever do need to make a huge move for whatever reason, like you have the picks to do it as well. So that's that's a good spot to be in. They still have all those picks even after the O'Reilly trade. Yep. That's dude. That's crazy. And it's funny how how many people were shitting on Army for years, myself included. So it was like some sort of big master plan that he had <laughs> that eventually paid out which is great so like even if the blues don't look too great uh you know even if uh bennington doesn't wind up being you know the stud that we want him to be they they do have um a lot of picks to move around to potentially uh obtain a stud yep. so awesome well we appreciate you guys tuning in uh for another episode we um you know you can find us on facebook and that's where we're most active so if you go to facebook.com slash fourth line goon um or fourthlinegoon.com we did just drop some uh, ryan reeves uh signature um shirts that have been selling pretty well so if you guys want to check that out um yeah and we're just going to continue to watch some awesome playoff hockey and uh yeah we we appreciate it you guys uh conversing with us on on facebook uh, you got anything else to add uh, I think that's it. Let's uh, let's see what happens tonight with this uh, with the game going on. I think it's the the Stars and uh, Avalanche, and uh, I'm hoping for some Game Sevens. I think we're gonna see some. So yeah, we'll chat with you guys soon. Take care. Later, guys.